Hello, welcome to Swine Time. I'm your host, Spencer Wayne, and one of the veterinarians at the Pipestone Vet Clinic. Uh, on the phone with me today for this podcast is one of my colleagues, Gawen Zomerman. Gawen is one of the veterinarians at the Orange City location, uh, one of our vet clinic locations. He has a special gift, a special unique talent, and that is dealing with risk management and hog producers and helping producers through that. And so in these trying times, these different times of, of extreme uh, penalties in the marketplace, I would say Gawin has a probably unique perspective and something unique he might be able to share with us today. That's why I've asked him on the podcast. So I'll turn it over to him and introduce Gawin. So Gawin, thanks for joining us today. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess what qualifies you to be the person that I would go to for, for answers on these questions? Yeah, my name is Gawin Zorman, obviously, and uh, I, uh, I'm a veterinarian I, by trade. I've done, I'd like to say, five different jobs while I've been located here in Orange City. And uh, I started getting into the swine production side of things with my family maybe 22 years ago. I realized at that time already when we sold our first pigs in 1998 for $0.08, cents, then we lost a lot of money at that time. And we decided that uh, someone needed to figure out how to manage risk. And so I thought I'd better do my part, understand lean hog futures and what that means and how do I how do I take the risk off the open market pig and, and put it on the board instead. And so that's the reason for getting into risk management. Uh, I was just losing a lot of money at one point, thinking there's got to be a better way to raise hogs. And uh, so that's, that's the reasoning for doing it. And so I... Uh, started doing it more and more over the last 15 years or so. Okay. And you basically, you work with individual clients you have specifically focused on that, you know, as, as opposed to a lot of what I do is in barns with clients going over health stuff. You've, you've really changed your daily routine in working specifically in this area with your producers, with your clients. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. Yeah, is that right? that's correct. I, I've done a lot of diagnostics in the past and still do a little bit of that, but 95 to 99% of my time today is spent doing risk management, helping a few different entities that I work with and work for to manage their risk with them and for them. Okay. So I'm going to ask dumb questions going into this, and it's not hard for me because I don't know a lot of stuff. So if I ask something stupid, I ask you to forgive me and I ask our audience to forgive me too. But I figured we'd start off maybe a little basic. Uh, what it, We know what risk management is just by the verbal description of risk management. But what forms does that take? You know, I can think of a few. You mentioned positions on the board, you know, with futures contracts. But is there, I mean, how would you approach risk management in general? What are the ways you could manage your risk? Uh, you want to go into a few, maybe it goes beyond positions on the board and what you mentioned. Is it other things as well, or how would you look at it? Yeah, I think the number one thing that, that producers think about when you manage risk is using the lean hog futures through the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and using a broker of some sort to get that done. Another way that you can manage risk would be to work with the packer that you maybe have a contract with called a forward contract, or if you see a price on the board six months down the road that you like, you can call your packer and they will say, we'll give you that price minus this many dollars in basis and we'll guarantee you that base price. And then you know that you have transferred the risk from being open market to having that solid price from that packer on that given two week period. Usually there's a two week time frame to deliver hogs. Those are the 
basic ways that you manage risk. You can use options as well, but um, that's a whole different ball game. But uh, options are a different way to manage risk also on the board. So I, as we got ready for speaking today, I was thinking through clients I work with, and I would say the majority of them, the vast majority, have some kind of uh, combination of either having contracts with the packer or taking positions on the board. And I don't know about options use, but um, I think the majority of producers in my mind do something along these lines, at least for part of their production. Uh, you see more of it than I do. Is that a, is that accurate? Do you think it's majority producers have this now? Is it like the vast majority? Is it is it only a small percent of producers that don't use some kind of risk management, or or do I have it all wrong? How would you look at the, the landscape of what producers are currently doing? Yeah, I don't have a good way to know an exact percentage of producers that utilize some form of risk management, but I would say, from my experience, majority of producers realize that they should manage some risk in some way. So. A lot of producers out there are using the board or they're using their packer. And the other question is how, what percentage of the pigs do they actually want to manage risk on? Some producers may only want to cover 20% of their production. Some might want to cover 50% of their production or 80%, depending on their tolerance for risk. So yeah, there's a percentage of producers and then there's a percentage of how much each producer decides they want to manage risk on of their production. Yeah. So why wouldn't the producer hedge? I mean, I'm thinking we're, I'm thinking in my mind, well, why would you hedge? And there's a lot of things you could take us through, but why would you not want to? Uh, is, there, well, is there a basic mindset or something you could step us through on that? Why you wouldn't? There's typically been an attitude uh, of a lot of independent producers where if I don't hedge, I can take the highs of the market when they give them to me and I can then get through the lows of the market as they come as well. And if I bank some money at the good times, then when the market is low, I've got money in the bank to make up the losses that I have through the through those low times. And uh, that's generally how a lot of producers have thought in the past. And I think that is changing somewhat because of the risk that tends to be much more severe in the market today. So, yeah. So it's. Is it fair to say if you could weather the storms and then take the good times too, there's no cost to that, no no technical cost like there would be if you're hedging, you're essentially paying for insurance policy. There's some cost to, to buying and selling futures contracts. There's some cost of services to somebody like you or somebody else. There's got to be a cost to managing the risk. But if you compared management of the risk and didn't include that administrative cost versus the, the open market, would it be the same? I mean, or do you end up, if you could weather the storm, would you fare better? By, by not hedging just because the ups are in the downs balance out to a more positive number if, if you didn't have to hedge. And the only reason you would hedge is just because you could not, nobody can stand the storm. There's too much of a massive swing of, of money for a typical operation to ever not protect yourself. I, I rambled there a little bit, but you know what I'm asking is like, is if you could, if you could weather the storm, would you, would you never hedge? Or does it always make sense to hedge because there's no penalty to it? Um, there's not too much cost to hedge or to even have someone help you hedge. I'm a little more risk averse in some ways than other producers maybe in that I like to get the highs obviously, but I'm not willing to go through the lows because when you go through the lows, you have to be confident that the market is going to come back at some time, right? So 
I'm less confident that the market has to come back because there could be some other news event that comes across the line that you know maybe our market won't come back for a year and a half, and normally it's six months. So I like to take the highs out and take the lows out. It allows me to sleep good at night because I know the price I have coming a year from now as opposed to just allowing what the market gives me. So maybe it's a control issue. I like when I see a price I like, I like to take it and then and then look into the future for the next chance that we have to do the same thing. Okay. Did the lenders ever get involved where they would come in and say, Hey, you you gotta you gotta stabilize your your profit stream or your income stream on this thing. Um by doing some kind of risk management. I don't know how common that happens where the lender actually gets involved. Is that Does that happen or do they really just kind of stay out of that type of decision? No, lenders definitely do get involved and they have some say with what the producer does. But typically when the lender decides they have to get involved, it's usually not a good price situation because the producer's probably lost a lot of money already and it's a difficult time to get started in hedging. And um, the lender does get involved as well uh, in lending money when producers hedge. And we're not going to hit the high on the hedging, obviously, and that's not the goal for hedging. So if we don't mm-hmm. hit the high in the market and the market goes higher, that means that you pay margin call because you were right. wrong in that position. You didn't hit the high, right? So mm-hmm. it's great. Margin call is great with me. If, I, uh, if I'm happy with the price and the market goes higher, I'm willing to pay the margin call. It just means that I can now hedge more pegs at a higher price and meaning I'll have more margin call in those positions as well. But I'm I'm hoping that I pay margin call because I've got more pegs to hedge at a higher price. So the lenders get involved and they have to understand the operation. You have to understand how hedging works because they'll need to put in money for the producer to pay Chicago in the meantime until those pegs are sold. Yeah. Okay. So one question would be, how, how do you know when the right time is to hedge or the time or the price? You know, if you look ahead, I know some guys would say, I need to make X number of dollars per pig or or have a limited of loss per pig in a certain time of year. Is it always on a dollars per head, let's lock it in basis? Or how, how would you approach it as far as execution of, of some activity? Is that How would you do it? Yeah, basically, I'm always looking at a year at a time sort of a philosophy. That's what I've taken over the last 10 years. So personally, I'm looking at 2021 today to see what opportunities are there. 2020 has been hedged for quite a while because I like to hedge a ways out, like a year in advance, and see the opportunities that are out there. So right now, I would just simply look at 2021, and I would add up the contracts that are out there from February, April, June, August, October, and December. I take every other month. I just add up the prices on the settlement for a day, divide by six, and that's a simple average for the year, right? So if that simple average shows me a break-even or profit, I'm likely going to start hedging pigs for 2021. That's the simple way to look at it. I'll start hedging with 15% of the pigs, maybe at break-even, and as the market goes higher, hopefully, I'll do another 15%. And uh, continue that way, you know, paying margin call as it goes higher, but feeling better with every time I lock more pigs in, because that means the market is giving me more profitability as it moves higher. So that's the simple sure. approach to how I look at it year by year. Is that a pretty typical number? Yeah, it sounds like it is for you. Fifteen percent at a at a pop, basically. All right, I'm bit by bit. You're kind of slowly tractoring this thing back towards you, as far as you know, the pig that's floating out there, fully exposed, or the group of pigs, and fifteen percent at a time as as the close date approaches, you know, maybe a year, year and a half out, 
Is that, right. is that a fair way that you would look at it? Yes, I would say that's that's fair. I try to I try my best to get 100% covered in the production that I manage at some point. And I'm looking at 21 now, and I honestly I would love to be 100% covered today, but I'm not because the market has not given us real good opportunities in 21 because of the devastation we faced here in 2020. So even though I'm partially hedged in 21, I would really love for the speculators in this market to get excited about something and make this market move a lot higher really quickly here so that I could do more work on the board selling those yeah. futures. Yeah, I promised I wouldn't ask you technical things or, or for specific advice, but I'm going to break the promise now and ask you, what do you see for 21? Just in, in general, the approach, you just said you were, there'd be some excitement in the market so you could at least have elevated uh, market opportunity. It would, it would get some volatility in it going upwards. But uh, is that something you don't think is going to peek through the clouds this year yet? Or what, what do you think is going to happen for marketing in 21? Well, and that's always the question that a lot of people like to think they have the answer to. And that's the answer I try to tell myself every day. I don't have the answer to. And there's a lot of reasons to think the market's going to crash in 21. And there's a lot of reasons to think the market's going to go crazy higher in 21. And that's where I personally try to drown out a lot of those stories. But yeah, all it would take was a lot more solid liquidation and, and then China getting on board and buying a lot of our pork or any country getting on board and buying a lot more pork just to Kind of get some excitement going in this market, but yeah, that's that is the case. Do we have enough solid liquidation, and uh, or do we still have an oversupply of pigs for 21 with with demand that's maybe a little iffy? If China's not too excited about us as a country, I would love to see the market run to do some work, but if it doesn't run here fairly quickly, I need to start hedging some pigs in 21 just because I don't want to go into 21 and have a year like 2020 either. Yeah, well, that's kind of an odd concept. You're going into 21 looking pretty dismal. You're waiting for some exciting news, and your nature, personality nature at least, is to hedge, is, is to hedge, is to lock it down. So I'm thinking you're going to a situation where you're going to start hedging significant losses. You're, you're basically locking in a loss, or do you do that? I don't know how you approach it. Where you'd say, no, if I can't lock in some profit, I don't, I don't lock in anything at all. Because um, it'd be one thing if you had some prospects during the year, or whatever. But it looks, it looks dark. You just hold off on on taking those positions, or you start placing them anyway. It sounds like you start placing them anyway. Yeah, I basically start uh, placing some positions anyway. If it looks like we're anywhere close to break even, I'll I'll get started on it. Um, the thing today that is different than last year by a little bit is that corn is cheaper and bean meal is not too expensive. So. You know, a break even of seventy last year might be sixty eight this year potentially and if i can uh, lock in a little bit of corn for 21 at a decent price i might start hedging some pigs in the 66 67 area in april for example because that's about the average for the year use that as my starting point realizing it's not very exciting but when i saw what futures could do this year you know 66 or 67 looks a lot better than 46 in june that we had this year and i'm hoping that never happens again uh, but it did happen it's things like that are possible in this uh, pork production environment that we're in with with covid and, and china a lot of things to think about yeah well I, uh, we're burning up probably our, our time limit here and there's all a lot of questions i'd like to ask beyond this and you just mentioned your inputs you know your corn and, and meal 
And we didn't even talk about how you approach that, but I would assume it's a similar way, basically you know, fixing your input costs by the same tools. But that's a whole different discussion. Um, one question I'll probably maybe leave the audience with, and it's something that I'm curious since you watch things in a different way. What piece of news would you look for? You know, you mentioned a few of them, but what would be the biggest thing that you would hope to hear that you would be able to take some action on that would probably excite the market? Would it be trying to take more? Would it be plants comfortably uh, at full capacity or fuller capacity for staffing and being able to, to kill pigs, uh, reduction in sow herd? But what's the biggest news you're going to look for on the horizon come across towards you that will let you feel good or better about the market? Well, I think we're going to need a combination of things. Um, like you talked about, we're going to need packers at full capacity, which could be very difficult to do with guidelines and things like that that packers need to work with. The thing I'm hoping for is that we hit some sort of a temporary hole in October because of abortions and euthanasias and things like that that have happened in the past. And if we get a little hole and packers have to bid for pigs, that might get speculators excited at least temporarily enough to get this market running the other thing that would be awesome is if we could get china to get on board to buy a lot of pork from us on a weekly basis and have those export sales every week show really big numbers if we had a combination of those kinds of things that would get the speculators potentially running this market up five or ten bucks if that happened yeah I would be hedged the entire year for 21 because I want to take that risk off the open market peg and put it on the board. Sure. So basically a combination of those things that would, they right. all go the same direction for what it would do for producers. But if, if you saw some, some daylight and things could lock in profits, you would probably take some action, serious action, just to make sure you got 21 secured. Correct. All right. Yep. Um, that's, that's probably enough time on, out of your day and out of our listeners' days. So I want to thank you, Gaywin. Appreciate your time. Um, appreciate your patience with me as well. If you got any parting thoughts for the audience, uh, I'd leave you to it for the next few seconds. Otherwise, I just want to say thanks, and, and I'm glad you could be with us. No, I appreciate the time, Spencer. And uh, I guess the main thing I would say is uh, I would do something. Um, just start hedging, and, and uh, as long as your banker understands that if you have margin call, it means that the market's going higher, and you get paid back later for, for those pegs. And uh, it's always good to get started in risk management and get some protection on the table because nobody wants to face a 2020 over again without protection on that you really want. So no, I'm willing to help producers in any way I can. And Pipestone has kind of given me the direction to help out in, in some ways too. And we can always talk specifically as well if someone is interested. All right. Thank you, Gawin. Appreciate it. I want to thank our listening audience for Swine Time at Pipestone podcast. And invite you to tune in next time for another guest and another good discussion. Thank you. Point Time Podcast was created for the pork industry and individual pork producers around the country. Hosted by me, Dr. Spencer Wayne, with the Pipestone Veterinary Services. The podcast contains pork industry news, advancements in animal care, and how to enhance your productivity. Monthly podcasts are available on Spotify, Google Music, iTunes, Anchor, and on www.pipestone.com.